Dog Training Digital presents the eCollars Podcast with Robin McFarlane and Steve Snell. All right. So we've covered a lot of topics. We've talked about a lot of different things. I think a common question that we get is when can I stop using the collar? But there's stopping using the collar and there's collar wise. How do you deal with those things with a dog? And let's let's explain, let's explain collar wise and let's talk about how you avoid it. Okay. So collar-wise is when people get in a situation and what they're telling me is the dog does not listen at all unless I have the collar on. So I think that's what typically people have called collar-wise. I have a different name for it, but we'll go into that. So I guess we'll start with what my different name is. My different name is your dog is enforcement-wise, right? So yeah, is he listening when the collar is on and he's not listening when the collar is off? That is because you taught him that you probably only follow through when the collar is on. So have they become enforcement wise? I teach people some very simple steps for follow through. And because again, I'm always prefacing with this is in the pet world that I'm mostly teaching people to use a collar. And so if you put your collar on and you do a training session and then you take your collar off, and you don't follow through with these simple expectations that you've been teaching your dog, like to come called or to sit or to get on his place or lay down when you tell him. If you only follow through when you put the collar on, then that is what you're teaching the dog is essentially, I am completely powerless unless I have this tool on you and unless I have the remote in my hand. And so that's another thing that gives people a problem. If you're simple things around the house. If you're telling your dog to do something and you're, I tell them, keep the collar on you, on your person for the first few weeks so that you can practice what you preach. If you want your dog to come to you, you can use a collar. However, if you take that transmitter off or you took the collar off of your dog and you tell him to come and call and he doesn't do it, don't go running looking for the transmitter or don't go running and put the collar on your dog walk over and pick up a leash, clip the leash on, make your dog follow through. So I believe it's more about enforcement wise than does the dog necessarily know that the collar's on. It's about you've got the ability to enforce with your dog when the collar's on and you aren't feeling any mm, confidence in your own skill set in having built a relationship with the dog that you can get him to follow through regardless on or off. That's a process involved in the training way more than the whole collar wise thing. And what is my thought? Pro- why do I feel that way? Because we used to have, and I don't know, maybe they still do. They used to have dummy collars, right? Sure. Yep. So you could avoid collar wise by putting the dummy collar on the dog. Well, no, you can't because then I have people come to me going, you know what? He knows it's a dummy collar. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous thought process. So, I mean, I agree. I agree completely. I think it's part of the problem, though, uh, and this is a mis this is a misunderstanding of the tool. Mm. In that, it's tool, and it gives me the ability to do certain things in 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 a certain way that I like, and it works at a distance, and it's consistent. But if you're not consistent then you're not training your dog in the correct way. And I'll see people that will give a command and then the dog ignores it, whether well, and whether he's ignoring it or he's confused or he's just doesn't want to do it, doesn't matter. You gave the command, now you have to follow through. 
And so it's the, that's the process. If you're going to be in a situation where you're going to give a correction, give a command and have to possibly give a correction, then, you know, you've got to be in the position to do that. And so, so it is like I, I before and I had not heard the enforcement wise, but that's, that's exactly what we're, that's exactly what we're experiencing where people are under the impression that they cannot make a correction or they can't get a dog to comply without the column. And that is not the case whatsoever. I think you need to be careful about giving commands that you can't enforce. Oh yeah. And or don't I, want to enforce. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, yeah, that's a problem. Right. You ever get yeah. comfy at home and you set you're in your seat and you got the remote on and yeah. you're like going to watch the game and then the dog's doing something. You're like, get off of there. And yeah. he doesn't listen. And you're like, damn, I do not yeah. want to get out of my seat. Yeah. Now I have to actually go do it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> and especially in early stages of training, that's, yes. that's part of the deal. And so, yeah. So I think having the understanding that, that we've got to, we've got to be able to back up what we're doing, whether it's through the collar or not. And then two, I think we talk about putting dogs into situations where they don't, if you're going to put them in situations where you're going to need to work with them and make corrections and, and interrupt them from doing something, then they need to have the collar on. And if they don't, then you've got to go and physically stop the dog from, from doing things. And I don't know if it's a keeping them on their toes as much as anything, or if it's just that they understand that you practice what you preach and that if you say it, you're serious about it. And I think that's possibly where, where people, they get off the path of having, having a dog that behaves consistently by not, you're not gonna have a dog that behaves consistently by being inconsistent. Right. And oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so it's less about, it's less about the collar and more about being consistent with the dog across the board. It is. And when I think too, I think one of the things, so I don't necessarily believe in collar wise, but this piece of enforcement wise, I think because we still struggle so much with people especially new users. We struggle so much with new users and people not wanting to use stimulation, thinking that stimulation yeah. is only if the dog doesn't comply. They right. give the dog an opportunity for either refusal or to be distracted or whatever. They give all these opportunities on the front end and then they just save the collar for what if the dog doesn't listen. I do yeah. the opposite, right? I mean, anybody that's watched me train knows I'm pushing the button so much in the beginning, it blows a lot of people's minds because I am enforcing with every command on the front end. And I'm building this understanding in the dog. A, he understands what to do about pressure, but B, he understands that he is prompted into behavior, prompted into action as soon as I say it. So I'm setting a precedent with the dog that enforcement is part of the expectation. You follow through, you follow through, you follow through. Then what happens when I start to wean back on the use of stimulation? All right. So let's say I've, let's say in theory, I've tapped the previous 10 sit commands. I've tapped every one of them, enforced them simultaneously with command. Okay. Now I give the dog a freebie, meaning I say the word sit and I don't tap the button and I see if he responds accordingly. And he does. He's like, oh, because I built expectation. Right. And he does. I believe my dog. Plus, I follow with reward. Sure. But I believe my dog goes, look at that, man. I was so fast. I'd beat it. That okay. And so I think I'm building speed of response into the dog. So I gave him a freebie. 
then I can tap a couple more. And he's like, oh, sure. dude, I wasn't fast enough that time. And then I can give him another freebie. And then he gets it. Maybe he gets another freebie. And he's like, yes, I knew I was fast. I am building an understanding in the dog. The quicker you do it, the increased likelihood that you will beat that stim altogether. But I have to have had, set that precedent on the front end by using the collar a lot. I set the precedent. Then I start weaning back. And that's the process, I think, where people want to jump into not using. They want to go for, okay, I taught the dog a little bit about the collar. Now I'm going to stop using it, and I'm just going to use it if he doesn't listen to me. So I go, lots of collar, lots of enforcement. Now we're variable. It's just like using rewards. Reward, you use a consistent reward schedule, a variable reward schedule, and then you reduce back here even more. It's the same thing with a collar. I use it and I go to a variable schedule and then I just, it's even less. I don't want to get too off track. I've got, my mind gets racing so quick with this stuff. But that is how I build. It is kind of a game to the dog. When I get to that variable stage, he doesn't know when he's going to get a freebie. He doesn't know when I'm going to stim. I can tell you if I give a freebie and my dog's like, no. If he doesn't get it quickly, if he's not responding in what I have set my criteria for response time, okay. if he's not responding that time frame, I'm going to follow up the next verbal with stimulation. I'm not going to give him another freebie. Okay. Okay. So some people would call that correction. We give him a correction, whatever. I'm going to pair it and I'm going to follow up. I'm also going to probably follow up the next three commands that I give him with stimulation. Okay. Because I want him to know. It's still out here, man. You want to keep yeah. playing the game that you have to try to beat this. So that's where it gets. People have to be very cognizant. What point are you in the training? Early training? Don't wean back too quickly. In that middle road where you're doing a lot of variable, be variable, but don't give him second chances without stimulation because sure. now you're teaching them that enforcement is not there. And then you get to the point, your goal should be, we get to the point where the collar is on me. For instance, if I'm out hiking or whatever, the collar's on on my person. But in all likelihood, I didn't have to push a button with my dogs. They just generally are at this point where they know when mom says come or sit or lay down, she's always enforced it. Today's not going to be a different day. Yep. So I think this is a, I think this is a part two where, I think some people want to get away from the collar and I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think you do either. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think that plays into this. To me, you avoid the dog becoming collar wise by always enforcing what you say and making sure that you're getting compliance. But if my dogs are outside of a hundred percent controlled environment, they're going to be wearing a training collar. And there's a whole list of reasons for that for me. But let's talk a little bit about just your, let's talk about your take on that because Diva is a prime example. How old is Diva now? She is 12 and a half. Wow. She does not look 12 and a half. I am. So, but she wears a collar. She does. Yeah. On a very regular basis. Yeah. Let's talk just a little bit about your philosophy there. Well, because it's hard to even ask me of the philosophy, I guess, because I, like you, I don't think of it as something that I'm ever trying to get sure. away from. For me, I think of it very similar to why do I wear a seatbelt when I get in the car? Right. Yeah, I know how to drive. I'm a good driver. 
but I don't know when something might happen that I would, I can't predict. So it's the same thing with my dogs to have that on as the insurance policy that I can get my dog's attention if I need it. Or, and honestly, it's interesting you bring up Diva Steve because Diva's actually starting to lose her hearing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would be remiss at this point to not take her out. We hike a lot. We're off sure. leash. If I didn't have a collar on, right. because I don't, it's the best way to communicate with her now if sure. you want to let her have that freedom. So it, it's just, like I said, sometimes it's hard for me to articulate. I think we're so stuck in this. When do you get away from it? Right. Nothing works that way. Nothing yeah. in the natural world works that way. We need rules and enforcement. It's, you know, I would say to any manager or any boss out there, well, when are you going to stop going to work to your employees know what to do? You train them. Sure. When are we going to take the, the police officers? When are we going to stop handing out speeding tickets? We know how to drive. Why would we think that we can create and train a dog? Can we get a really well-trained dog? Yeah. But if this is a thinking, processing, breathing animal, why would we think we can program them that they would never make a decision counter to what we want? Or that they would never make a mistake and get in a troublesome situation where we wouldn't want this tool as part of their gear. And if we do want the tool as part of their gear to keep them safe, why would we ever wean off of it a hundred percent and then try to bring it back into the picture X number of months and years later when maybe we got to start over then because they don't really remember it? Sure. Yeah, I have folks that that have wanted to do that or they... They think of it in a way of a something that we're going to get away from. I don't know, maybe training wheels is a good is a good example where it's a we need this crutch or we need this up to a certain point. And then once we've learned everything, then we can go away from that. For me, it's more about I, I like my dogs to be a little bit on the outlaw sort mm -hmm. of thing. I like them to always be pushing to to that's that to me is kind of part of their makeup and part of their drive. But the reality of it is that I'm more concerned about outside things that I have no control over. And it's not just that, can I, can I verbally stop my dog from chasing something that is normal for them to chase it? Okay, great. We've got them to a level where I can call them off of a skunk. Great. But that's different from we're chasing a rabbit and we're headed toward a road and now there's a truck coming. So these are things that are really outside of my control or even my level of training with the dog. We're talking about life and death sort of things. And I want to be able to have that insurance is a good word for it, but just have that ability to make that correction if need be. A lot of that's going to depend on the situation you put your dog in, but the ability to give them the off leash. And I think that's where it all comes down to, because I really think that's what people want. But without having the ability to make these corrections, when there are things that are outside of your control, I mean, that's just what the product does. And so I'm kind of saying, I, I don't worry so much about collar wise as it is. If I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, it's not going to matter yeah. because if I'm doing what, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and the dog understands that the collar tool is just part of the deal, then even if they fully understand what's going on, and I'm not really sure what level you could have that. But they need to understand that our relationship and the training, the consistency of the training, where this shouldn't, you shouldn't have that situation if you're going about it the right way. You no, know, it's interesting when we talk about, we call it, we're, we're obviously this whole topic is about collar wise and enforcement wise. One of the things that I think is interesting that I've seen in my side of things is again, I'm 
generally training, I'm training pets, but I'm also training people that have never used a collar before. And oftentimes I'm training people that really have never trained a dog before, right? This might be their first dog or this might be their first dog that they've trained as an adult, or it might be the first dog that they felt really needed professional training. So I'm helping all of these people that are relatively novice to the whole process of training and the tools involved in it. And one of the things that's interesting is some of the people I think get, I don't know what I'm going to have to think about that, what I'm going to call this, but they get empowered when the remote is on them and they feel disempowered when the remote isn't on them. And what's interesting is I've had this happen many times, myself included, where the dog is flawless. We're going through all the exercises. Everything is picture perfect. Everything looks wonderful. And then I notice I don't see the blinking light on that dog. And I go, you realize you didn't turn your collar on. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I don't have it on. But because they feel confident, because they've got the tools, they're walking the walk in a whole different way. Right. And it just goes to prove that because the tool has helped them on the front end and helped give them the confidence that they actually can manage and have a relationship and communicate with their dog, even though they had it turned off, they just forgot or whatever that day, it has changed them. And that changes the way their dog responds to them. That does, it comes full circle. One of the many reasons I love this tool. It has helped so many people that think they can't sure. and they don't have the ability cross that bridge and build a relationship they didn't know they could with dogs. But there is something about that empowerment when they had the tool. It's really nice when they go, oh, it's really not just about the tool, is right. it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How about transmitter dependent? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But. You know, that is the case of magic wand depend. People are under the impression that, and I get this, and I think you, you get accused of this, where you're an e-collar trainer as though you can't train a dog without one. Yeah. And that is, that's not how it works. It's a tool that allows you to do some things that you cannot do without this particular tool, but it is not a, it is not an end all be all. And you still have to do the training. You just do it with this tool. And I, I think that's something that people get kind of stuck on in the same way that there's other tools that I'm not going to get rid of. I'm not going to stop using a leash, even if I have a dog that can heal without having a leash on it. There's just going to be certain situations where I'm going to have to have them on a leash. It's not, it's not something that it's just part of the, it's part of the process. The tools it's, gets it's, a lot of yeah. hate, doesn't it? Nobody looks at you and I and goes, well, you're leash. You got a yeah. leash smart dog. Yeah. You got a ball smart dog. You yes. got a gun smart dog. You got a food smart dog. Well, food yeah. gets beat up too. But, well, you yeah, know, food and e-collars, like both ends of that spectrum get beat up. Well, but, and some of it, maybe some of it's justified and some of it is where it hasn't been properly explain or even defend it because I don't think that I don't know if I don't know if people grasp the concept that you're still training dogs. It's just that, that you're allowed to, you're going to be able to do things so much faster and so much cleaner and it's fairer to the dog. And uh, there's just so many upsides to it that having this device that we're going to use going forward, even though we're dealing with a dog that is at a certain stage of the training, we're just not going to get away from it. 
And it's not, you don't have to, if you've reached a point where the dog doesn't have to be corrected, fine. Don't correct it. If they're doing everything that they're supposed to do, then that's not a problem. But they're not robots and they're going to have, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to be, they're going to end up in situations where if you're off leash, you're going to always have the opportunity for something to go wrong. If you are not in a 100% controlled environment, there's always the opportunity for something to go wrong. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. That's the, that's the piece for me. And so I'm not interested in getting away from it. I'm not going to try and get away from it Yeah, because it can be life and death with my dogs. I agree with very you. easily. Yeah. I agree with all that a hundred percent. I'm like in the, I have the same philosophy with the pets and I have heard it say when people say, well, I can't compete with it, right? I can't use it in competition, but yeah, that's true of a lot of things. That doesn't mean you you certainly, and lots of top level competitors use remote callers for many of their venues. Yeah. You can't compete on, and you can't even wear the, you can't even wear, have the dog wear the collar on the grounds. Sure with some of these events. And I have no problem with that because if you're not to that level by the time you enter competition, then that's fine. But I'll tell you sure. what, those top level competitors go back home after competition on the weekend and they put the collars on and they keep reviewing yeah. the basics. They keep reviewing the basics. Well, I guarantee you that they are enforcing, they're enforcing commands without, without using the collar because you have to be at that level. That's not even a, that's, for the majority of us, that's not what he, that's not even, that's not even what we're talking about. But it is, and I bring that up, I guess, yep. bring it up simply because so many people that are just investigating the thought process of remote sure. callers hear these as arguments against using it. You're not going to have reliability without it and just all of these kind of things. And I just like to put that message, I think, out there for some of those people that get confused by all these conflicting opinions. Sure. Yeah. Well, I do think that, I do think that it is, it is easy to, it is easy for it to become a crutch in some situations. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, I think maybe that's more of the, maybe that's more of the issue for some people. And I think that comes down to, but that to me comes down to the, how you go about training, because if you can get the best of both worlds, if you, if that's what you want, if you're worried about that, then, you know, then you don't, you get your dog to a certain stage. And then when you start to wean off of using stimulation in these situations, then you can, you can do other stuff. I think it's just, mm -hmm. I think it's how you approach it. I think if, I think if you are at a position where you feel like you can't work a dog without one, then that's a problem. I agree. Yeah. We've run into, we've run into situations and this is, this is a, this is true. And it's a good example of where the problem comes in because you know, we run dogs with GPS now. And so we've got these dogs that are running and they're away from us. And this happened to me, just talking about a crutch where I'd gotten so used to using GPS that I had lost the ability to locate a dog without GPS. And so I started hunting in 1980 and did not see a GPS collar until 2007. So that's, that's a long time. And we ran dogs and we never lost them. Well, we didn't mm -hmm. never lose them, but, but we were able to keep up with them. But it was a tool that I got, that I got hooked on. It's one of those things where you have to be careful about. And I even got to a point once I realized what was going on, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to change our process here just a little bit and make sure that we're actually paying attention to what's going on and not just using this device. And I think dog training with a remote collar is the same way. You, there's more to it than just, than just pressing the button and only pressing the button. And people seem to think that it is a, once again, they're not robots. It's not a remote control 
robot with his dog training. And it, yeah. it takes, it takes time and repetition and you have to enforce your commands and but there's a whole process to it. That's a really good point. I do think that maybe we can change the conversation eventually from the topic of caller wise. Maybe we can get the whole industry to kind of shift toward let's concentrate on it not being a crutch. Let's do sure. people using this a better service and help them understand how to not make it a crutch and build that relationship because I, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. That's not, there are some people I think they don't care. I've certainly some pet owners and they're like, I don't care. I want to, if I can pick right. up my cell phone and point it at the dog and it'll listen to me, I don't care. Sure. They don't mind having a crutch and I can't argue that's their dog. And my whole goal is I just want the dog to stay in his home for a lifetime and for the relationship to work. But it's not what we're looking for. Certainly, we just want this to be a tool in the tube leg that enhances the relationship. It doesn't it doesn't define the whole relationship. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a. I think that's a really good way to look at it because I do believe that it comes down to what what your personal situation is and what you want out of it. And I think that's. I think that's what it all comes down to. What are you trying to accomplish? And what's the best way to go about it? And that's not the same for everybody. And I'm not sure everybody grasps that, but. You know, for me, it's one of those things of, I, I want the best relationship that I can have with my dogs. And this is a way to go about it. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for the time. Thank you. Enjoy the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. For more information or to purchase Robin's online dog training programs, visit ecollars.com. This is Robin McFarland's eCollar Training. This video series takes a systematic approach to e-collar use from introduction to off-leash control. Three dogs of varying personalities were adopted from a shelter environment and trained daily over the course of three weeks. This series captures the real-time footage starting from day one of introducing the e-collar and progresses to the point of off-leash control and working around real-world distractions. Robin takes you step-by-step step through the process of laying a foundation, solving common problems, working through distractions, and graduating to off-leash freedom. The systematic approach and detailed instruction is designed specifically with a novice e-collar user in mind, but even experienced trainers will find a gem or two to add to the training toolbox. Each of the dogs in this video series, Grace, Brandy, and Bonnie, started training within 72 hours of being adopted from a shelter environment. What you will see is real-time training sessions, not special editing or previously trained dogs. Watch dogs with different temperaments being worked through challenges toward the goal of off-leash control and a greatly improved relationship with their handler. Robin's e-collar instructional materials are clear, concise, and never sacrifice the physical or emotional well-being of the dog. With this training, your dog will be calmer, more controlled, and be able to experience the joy of off-leash freedom. If you've longed to be able to trust your dog off-leash, but don't have the confidence to start training with an e-collar, this video series is for you. Any dog owner that is interested in learning an easier way to communicate with their dog while gaining off-leash reliability will benefit from this DVD series. This five disc set will take you step by step through the process from starting the training and finding a level 
up through working around distractions and being ready to go off-leash.